Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. My name is Robert Winfrey, and what you're about to listen to is an old episode of a podcast I used to host called Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. This particular episode originally aired July 10th, 2015, and is the second installment of a discussion on the villains and the villainous presentation of the Terminator franchise. Part 1 was the first ever episode of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, and that was myself and Mark Radlich talking. That's been re-aired at this point. This one, part two, is myself and Ronnie Adams. At the time, Ronnie Adams had uh, his own podcast. It was the Screaming Boy podcast. That has since been uh, discontinued, put on indefinite hiatus. I, I don't know exactly. But if you do like Ronnie at this point in time, you can support him on twitch.tv slash misfitsandmiscreants. So if you're interested in that and the things he says and does, go give him a follow on Twitch. Follows are free. Uh, yeah, so you can find him. Alright, on this particular episode, before I we before I throw it to my past self, uh, me in 2015, oof, uh, much fatter than I am now, about 20-ish pounds fatter than I am now, actually. Poor me in the past. Uh, I always feel bad that my past self turned into present me. But before I throw it to past me, uh, let's pay a few bills here. First up, if you like music, and really, who doesn't? Uh, we are giving away a free 30 days of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. This is, for my money, the best streaming platform for music, podcasts, and other audio formats uh, that's going on the web. If you're interested in it, you want to get if you already if you have never tried it, again, we're giving you a free 30 days. The link is getamazonmusic.com/w2mnetwork. Uh, there will be a link in the description below. If you would rather click on that, then read uh, then type in a URL, but either way, you get access to 70 million plus songs, no muss, no fuss, no ads. If you like it at the end of that time period, you can keep it. If not, hey, you lost nothing. So give that a listen. Uh, give that a click if you are so inclined. All right. Also, we are supported by Grammarly. For you listeners of the Everyone Loves a Bad Guy Rears, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you, yes you, write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com w2mnetwork to download Grammarly for free. There will also be a link to that in the description below if you would rather just click on that. And with that out of the way, 
thank you all very much for enjoying the re-airings of this show. I really appreciate it. Some of you guys have found the show for the first time, and uh, it's heartwarming to see something I enjoyed doing so much. Uh, still have a bit of life to it. So thank you very much. Past me, it's all you, baby. I'm sorry for what happens in the future. But uh hope you guys enjoy the show. listening to this show is a little bit beyond me, but if you are, thank you for being here. This is Everyone Loves a Bad Guy. I'm Robert Winfrey, and uh, again, thanks a lot for being here. Tonight, uh, I this is a slightly nostalgic trip for me tonight, everybody. We're going to be talking about the Terminator franchise. Now, for those of you who have followed my show for a long time, you might remember the first ever episode way back when, in a couple of years, year and a half. I don't know exactly. I haven't looked up the exact date. But my first ever episode of Everyone Loves a Bad Guy, I had Mark Radlich on, and it was part one of what was supposed to be a two-part look at the villains of the Terminator franchise. Part two got delayed. I was supposed to do it with uh, Stuart Lang. Uh, that wound up kind of falling through. Part two just got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, and it became kind of a running joke, much like The Long Road to Ruin, never getting around to finishing the Rocky franchise. Uh if you're a fan of the casual heroes, then, you know, the death of Dean Ambrose. It's just, again, it just kind of turned into a running gag. And tonight I am under somewhat corporate order and creative mandate, by and large, to revisit that. And I'm fine with that. Terminator Genesis came out last week. It bombed horribly financially and critically. But it gives me a good enough excuse to talk about the Terminator franchise again. And I'm always down for that. Those first two are a couple of my favorite movies ever. And, again, any excuse to talk about them. Who doesn't love killer robots? I mean, come on. They're awesome. All right. Here with me tonight, uh, Mark was unable to come back to potentially do part two. He's busy. He's got other stuff. And he, 
you know, is just, yeah, he's the supreme overlord. I have to kind of, you know, bow to his wishes. But joining me tonight, his first appearance on this show, he's been on, uh, he runs the Screaming Boy Productions, uh, been a member of the Rattle and Broadcasting Network for a bit now. You can find him in Screaming Boy every, uh, I don't know, Saturday. So I forget exactly what day it goes live. But Ronnie Adams is here with us. Ronnie, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Uh, no complaints. Thunderstorms got over with early, so I'm unlikely to lose power again like I did last night. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Yeah, losing power in the middle of trying to cover a, an MMA event is deeply frustrating. But No, I don't doubt it. Yeah, it got done at the end of the day, so yeah. I, I, I can only complain so much. It's a minor annoyance. All right, let's. Uh, we're going to kind of go through these chronologically. Uh, ironically enough, part one of this talked about Terminator 2 Judgment Day and Terminator 3. We didn't talk about Salvation because, well, it's awful. Just absolutely <laughs> awful. But Mark said that was, Mark was on record. That's nearly the worst big budget movie he's ever seen. It falls just behind uh, A Good Day to Die Hard, which I mm. have to agree that's probably the worst. <laughs> but we didn't talk about the first Terminator movie and uh, Arnold is kind of the, you know, unstoppable killing machine. He mows down an entire police precinct. He's just, and again, I I'm a big fan of these movies, the good ones at least. And uh, so I'm curious for you, uh, from your perspective, uh, the original Terminator, you know, kind of comes out in late 84, early 85. I forget the exact year. Uh, I mean, sweeps the world from a financial standpoint and whatnot. So I'm curious for you, Arnold Schwarzenegger at that point in time, playing, you know, very kind of straightforward, again, he's playing a robot, and just right. being, you know, an unstoppable machine of death. How did that work out for you from uh, as a fan, as a fan, you know, for the first couple of times you've you've seen it, what'd you think of, you know, what he was able to do? Oh, I mean, well, you look at the mere stature of the man in, in these movies and, and, He's horrifying anyway, and having uh, someone like this just barreling, not barreling at you, uh, guns blazing and, and with, with uh, no remorse, it, it was pretty terrifying. So it, I, I thought uh, he was a perfect pick for it, um, especially in the first movie. You know, not a lot of lines, just uh, straightforward um, killing machine. So it worked out well for me. Well, it, oh God, I, I mean, 80s Arnie was, like you said, absolutely terrifying. This was not too long after, you know, one of his Mr. Universe runs, I believe. He mm. was jacked to the gills. I mean, that scene in the beginning when he punches through that punk's body, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. not that far out of the realm of possibility that Arnold might actually have the muscle <laughs> to pull that off. Absolutely. I mean, you, well, just looking at him today and then looking at him back then, I know that's not much of a comparison because he's, you know, he's nearly 70. Uh, he's still huge, and he's still, I mean, you know, a freaking uh, beast, you know, to look at, at most of the time. But uh, just the dude is just huge then. And um, like, I, like I said, he's just absolutely terrifying. You know, somebody came up to me and said, your clothes, I need them. I'm like, well, do you need anything else out of my closet? Because I really don't want you to rip my head off. You know, here's my wallet, my shoes, my keys, um, and a high five to go along with it. Take it easy, man. Deed to my house. Uh, I got a car, yeah. maybe. <laughs> exactly. 
You know, I'm, I'm not saying no to the man. Yeah, it's a hard thing to. I would have a really hard time saying no to him as well, given that circumstance. As again, he's huge, and you know, Arnold at that time not the greatest actor. He morphed into a pretty good. He morphed into a pretty good actor. He's not winning an Oscar anytime soon or anything, but he's a he's a solid. I think he's fairly underrated in terms of again what he can actually do as an actor. Right. But at the time, he's relatively you know, green as far as that goes. He's very, very flat. Yeah. Fortunately, that plays very well into what he's doing. He's, again, a robot. He's not supposed to have you know, emotions, <laughs> a whole lot of variance to his voice. He's just – and it's a credit to both him and James Cameron that they're able to take what could have been, again, flat and uninspiring and turn it into something that is completely menacing. Anytime he, again, one of the things that kind of comes to my mind, he shows up at that uh, precinct to see Sarah Connor and the desk sergeant kind of just doesn't even really look at him, just turns him away. And he, that's where we get the famous I'll be back line. He's got the sunglasses on and again, you know, something bad is going to happen. You as the viewer (laughs) get a pretty serious chill going down your spine when. Yeah. And I mean, again, a few seconds later, he drives a car through the front of the building and proceeds to murder <laughs> everyone inside. I, it's just, it, it's relentless. I mean, uh, he doesn't, he, I mean, you can shoot him, you can do whatever, and he just doesn't stop. So, yeah. Now, I'm curious about the, the other thing that kind of really has to go out uh, when discussing Arnold Schwarzenegger and the first Terminator. Arnie himself, again, very physically imposing. Uh, you know, terrifying, has no problem handling weaponry. I mean, look, normally I tend to get on your case if you try to fire a shotgun one-handed because, <laughs> yeah, no, right. that's, that's not how that works. But first of all, he's Arnie, so he's massive. And second of all, he's a robot. So again, fine, you can fire a weapon one-handed. I'm not going to pick that apart too much. Can, but he, he handles himself very well. Oh, absolutely. He can he can shoot a gun any way he wants, any gun any way he wants. So he's it, one it, of the few. Good, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you're. I was going to say. Ahead. I was just going to say he's one. He struck me as one of the few actors who kind of really took the effort to be at least somewhat believable when firing a weapon. Because if you spend any time around firearms, and this is not, uh, this is not a pro or you know, this is not a debate from a political standpoint, but. You spend enough. You spend some time around firearms. You start to realize that how most actors hold them, handle them, and whatnot is well. It's pretty wrong. <laughs> right. That absolutely. There's been there's been very few movies that I've I've looked at um, because I have spent some time around firearms and uh, um, different uh, different weapons. You know, mostly you know shotguns, hunting rifles. Being from being from West Virginia. <laughs> Uh, but uh, no automatic rifles, really. But you look at them, and, and you can kind of tell that, you know, there's no way that, um, as awesome he, as he is, there's no way Bruce Willis can fire uh, an automatic weapon one hand and be believable about it. That thing is going to go nuts. But when you put it in um, uh, six-foot-everything, over 200 pounds of solid muscle, almost 300 pounds of solid muscle, you, it's, it's pretty believable. Especially when you realize, you know, he's also playing a robot, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Again, the rules bend just a little bit from time to time when you start dealing with, you know, non human physiology. 
Right. But uh, I'm curious for you because for me, as again a fan, the first time I watched the movie, honestly, one of the scariest things that happens in that movie is after they try to blow him up uh, with the giant fuel truck, and they think it's over. You know, uh, Reese and Sarah are kind of celebrating. I mean, they blew up a giant fuel truck. That explosion would have actually been much larger, but hey, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Budget constraints. Right. And in the background, out of this pile of flaming rubble, just kind of <laughs> rises the metal, you know, the endoskeleton of the Terminator with all of the living tissue burned away. And it's you've got these evil red eyes. I had the first picture up on the slideshow of this for anyone bothering to watch that. I, I is a picture of, you know, the Terminator's head. And it's, I mean, you've now thrown everything possible at this thing. And it stands up out of, again, flaming rubble. And this thing is not quite as intimidating as Arnie from a physical perspective because it's not as large. But its design is certainly the stuff of nightmares. I mean, skeletons have been a source of, you know, fear for a long time because for very good reason and now you've got a giant unstoppable metal one that's chasing you it's i mean it goes from you know an unstoppable force of nature with arnie but one that is it still feels i mean as much as it's not human because it looks human it still feels like okay this is just a really tough guy in a lot of respects then you know Boom goes the truck, here's just the robot, and it goes from being, you know, intimidating and tense to the stuff that kind of haunts your nightmares. If you're not sure what, you know, if you're not sure what's around the darkened corner, you might think of, you know, the metal robotic Terminator sitting around there try- <laughs> being ready to jump out at you. Right. And you, that was something that was really unexpected as well, because uh, as, you know, watching it for the first time, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief uh, when the explosion happens. You're kind of like, holy crap, they finally, you know, they may have finally done it. They may have stopped the unstoppable. It, it's, it's, it, it might be over. You know, this, this is their chance to win. And then out walks the freaky, nightmarish <laughs> skeleton of, uh, it, it's just, it's one of those things where, um, it, it kind of puts me in the. I, I hate to compare it to this, but it kind of puts me in the in the uh, uh, the thought of of a zombie flick because the, those things are scary to me because there's really no stopping them. I mean, it's a it's a horde of of things that have no emotion, uh, have no purpose other than just to kill, and uh, and that was that was his purpose was just to kill his soul. Uh, mission was just to wipe her off the face of the earth. And even a, a, a fuel tank explosion that burned every bit of flesh off of him is not stopping him. So it was, it was horrifying. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you with a bit of the zombie comparison, you know, a, a, the difference being a singleton zombie is not all that intimidating, but you get five or more and you're kind of in trouble. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, ter- and I've had this discussion before. Terminator is at its core actually a slasher movie. as a po- It just kind of is dressed up as a sci-fi thriller action. You know, those are, okay. again, those are kind of how we classify it, how we dress it up. But at its core, it's, again, pretty typical slasher movie in the sense that you've got the final girl. Uh, granted, it's 
the only real target in this case. You've got the unstoppable killing machine, and you've got the person trying to help her. Right. I mean, again, bare bones. It's a very well done slasher flick. It's 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 elevated by everything that has kind of gone into it. Right, and I can agree with. I can absolutely agree with that. That's actually the the first I've really heard of anybody, you know, comparing it to a slasher flick. But uh, the more you, you know, the more you think about it, the more I think about it, the more I can compare him to, you know, Michael Myers, because same uh, emotionless, you know, state, uh, one purpose, and that's just to kill, and nothing seems to stop him. Yeah, he, uh, again, there's a lot of kind of inspiration there from, you know, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, any of the silent kind of, you know, I hate to say passionless, but, you know, kind of the flat characters, you know, Michael, yeah. not much of a character, Jason, not much of a character. They just exist to show up and murder people. And that's fine. That's what they're there for. Right. Absolutely. And and Schwarzenegger played it to a team. And, and like you said, there there wasn't much acting to to be done in it, but it was perfect for him. I mean, you're coming off of Hercules in New York, for goodness sake. And so then, bad they had to redub his lines. Exactly, and then you go into to Conan, um, and it was a that was that wasn't much of a stretch for him either. But still, you know, it, it was it was a good uh, um, it was a good part for him. So he had uh, he he had some almost some training uh, in acting in that, and then you go straight into something he was. It seems like he was born for. Um, other than Conan, and uh, just a phenomenal, you know, a phenomenal presence as the uh, unstoppable killing machine. So, uh, to a T, man, loved it. Well, and here's the other thing, and I bring this up frequently, it's actually not that easy to play a robot. You look at the the number of actors who have tried and kind of fallen on their faces is a lot more extensive than the guys who have pulled it off successfully. That's true. That is very true. And he, uh, again, he just kind of has the perfect blend of again, remorseless detachment and again, just enough menace from a, you know, again, as much as you can get from a human standpoint, you know, when he's sitting there buying all the guns, uh, at, you know, he buys all the guns from the <laughs> store and proceeds to, at the end again, just, blow the guy away and he, he the guy tells him you can't do that he's loading the shotgun right there you can't yeah. do that he's just wrong and then proceeds to shoot him in the face right <laughs> it's, you can't you can't tell him he's wrong i mean come on that's a bad idea right <laughs> uh the other th- the other thing i kind of want to touch on with this is it, not just the body count that the terminator achieves which is quite impressive when you consider it Mm-hmm. But he doesn't just, you know, kill cannon fodder. He kills a couple of strong secondary characters, and he kills a major character. I mean, he actually gets to again. Kyle Reese, played by Michael Bean, dies at the end of this movie because of the Terminator. You know, it's very rare that you get. It's not unheard of, but it's rarer that you get a villain who actually kills a flat-out main character, and he right. does. Yeah. I mean, you've kind of got the damsel in distress situation um, going on with Sarah Connor at this point because she's not the the hard case 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, self-trained um, woman of war that she is in the second one. So she's, you know, she's a waitress. Um the you've got that whole part of it and um so in comes your white knight and you nobody expects the white knight to get killed so it it put a little more um for me it made that terminator character that uh that that whole persona a little more terrifying because you know he killed the white knight i mean he killed the 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 hero of the story i mean you know Sarah Connor's the, the the hero, but but you got uh, you know you got Kyle Reese who's supposed to be the one saving her, and uh, and he goes down. So what can stop this? Thing? And even then, you know the heroes. It's not unheard of for the hero to sacrifice itself to defeat the enemy, but it still doesn't work. He sticks the bomb right into its torso. It blows up, and with one arm and just the upper body, it's still crawling after Sarah, trying to kill her. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. I mean, you, it's 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 almost <laughs> like I said, it's terrifying because it will not and it and cannot stop. Now, again, I mentioned this. I don't know if anyone out there listening listened to Mark and I review Terminator Genesis last night, night before, night before last. Excuse me, got my dates mixed up. But Kyle Reese's speech to her about what the Terminator is. I mean, it it's very accurate, and it very much kind of sets the tone for what Schwarzenegger brings to the role. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse, and it absolutely <laughs> will not stop. Yeah, uh, and yeah. that's a terrifying. Again, that same idea of just you know, kind of the this thing that you're helpless before, by and large. I mean, it's one of the scariest things possible. It's that kind of feeling of helplessness in the face of something that you can't control or influence or manipulate that makes some of the better horror movies so scary. I mean, uh, I brought up that same comparison when discussing, I believe, the first Paranormal Activity movie, which Mm -hmm. to this day is still scary. Uh, (laughs) Wonderful movie. Wonderful horror movie. Again, still scary. (laughs) But, you know, there's, there's nothing you can do about that monster and it's thankfully its name isn't revealed in there it's just kind of the demon but mm-hmm. the, you don't there's nothing you can't do anything you can't stop it you can't read there's nothing it's just there and it's going to kill you horribly yeah. right and and i think at our core uh, that's what scares us as as people the most uh, nobody likes to feel helpless at all 
and uh and going back to the whole the whole zombie thing you feel helpless when you've got this horde of of things coming at you and you you feel helpless when even you know the bomb in the ribs and and the and the good guy sacrifice doesn't stop it it's just it's it's crazy to think about something you know coming at you and you can do nothing to stop it so it's that's that in itself to me is what um i think makes him the scariest is uh the that that just overwhelming feeling of helplessness uh to kind of segue into judgment day that same feeling it's really interesting how it's kind of handled because they go with turning Arnold into into a good guy, and that's kind of fair because at this point in time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the actor, has his star has risen considerably. He's you, it would be very difficult to sell that movie based on him being a, the villain again. Right. So so they re, so again they repurpose the role of the you know the T one hundred one and. So if the unstoppable killing machine from the first movie is now your hero, you need something worse to oppose mm. it. You need something that it can't – you have a hard time seeing it overcome. And that's very difficult. Again, there's two ways you kind of go about that. One is you go bigger and badder, and finding someone bigger and badder than Schwarzenegger in you know 97 or whatnot was just not really going to happen. Right. So you had to go with, you know, technologically more advanced, you know, faster, sleeker, better instead of being bigger. And you get Robert Patrick as the T-1000 composed completely of liquid metal. And I don't think Robert Patrick is as scary as Arnie was in the first one. That being said, he brings his own kind of malice to this again Schwarzenegger in the first one is very much again robotic he is programmed to kill Sarah Connor therefore he will kill Sarah Connor Uh, the T-1000 and again Robert Patrick I get more of a sense that he's enjoying what he's doing than I did with Arnie uh, with the first one the first one is very clinical very bloody and very violent at times but very (laughs) clinical then you get Robert Patrick who is you know, he could kill people any number of ways. He made a conscious choice to, you know, turn his finger into a long needle and stab it through the security guard's eye. Right. I mean, this is, this is, it's subtle because he's not, you know, gleeful and over the top, you know, as a, as the traditional sadist might be. But there's definitely a, an overwhelming kind of sense of, you know, he's enjoying this just a little too much. Right. He he brought just a hair of of, uh, of a sadistic, I guess you could say, humanity to it. Just a um, like you said, like he's enjoying it too much, and and it's not it's not fair to compare the two because it's it's it would be like comparing an axe to a surgeon's scalpel or uh, a monster truck to a Porsche. They're, you know, they'll both, you know, the, the truck and the Porsche will both get you there, but they're going to get you there different ways. Um, so it wasn't as scary to me because, you know, like you said, I know, I've never thought of it like as a slasher uh, movie. But now that, I, you know, you've said it and I go back and think about it, it really is a slasher movie. And it has that, 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 horror feel, that horror movie feel to it. 
The second one is still – Robert Patrick's terrifying, you know, as T-1000 in his own right because he could literally be anybody in your family or on the street or anything. Um, he can and, – and you don't know where it's coming from, how it's going to happen, uh, needle to the eye, sword to the chest, something – and it could come from um, your, as you know, as we see, <laughs> foster family, you know, anything like that. So it was, he was still, still scary, and he was still villainous in his own way. Um, and it was still, uh, I, I thought uh, that one, he did a phenomenal job in that as well as T-1000. Yeah, and again, there are two, We've said, there's a couple of major fears within humanity that kind of get touched on in the first two Terminator movies. Again, the first mm-hmm. one much more in the horror genre than the, than the second by a long shot. But again, the mm-hmm. first one you have inevitability and helplessness. In the second, you have the unknown. And yes. I mean, in a lot of ways, that is what you don't know is exponentially more terrifying than what you do know. <laughs> right, and, and and that's and that's where he hits because you, like we, uh, like I said, you don't know where it's coming from or who he's going to be. I mean, he took on uh, the form of someone that's supposed to help you when you're running for someone. He took on the form of a police officer, so you can't really trust the police in this. You know, not that they could do anything anyway. Uh, you can't trust your own family, so you go to the unstoppable killing machine from the first one that's been reprogrammed. And even it seems like even the, uh, whatever he does doesn't do a whole lot. No, I mean, uh, you, I mean the Terminator Arnie's character dies for a couple of minutes at the end of this one. <laughs> yeah. You know, here again, unstoppable machine from the first one that you know took everything and then some to finally put down. And he's outmatched in a lot of ways by Robert Patrick. Gets, you know, impaled at the end. You think he's dead for a minute or two there. You think he's been overcome and it's going to fall to, you know, the remaining humans to actually put him down. Uh, Thankfully, Arnie reroutes some power and whatnot and is able to kind of regain himself. But if he had actually died as a character after being, you know, impaled viciously by Robert Patrick, that's completely believable (laughs) at that point. Yeah. And then um, if he had died at the hands of Robert Patrick, we may have never gotten Rise of the Machines. And I can't (laughs) say that would have been a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, you you go to, and it's it's the white knight scenario again. You go to the one person that's supposed to be helping you, and uh, the... uh, the villain, the, the the black knight, the whatever you want to say, is uh, is supposed to is supposed to be defeated by this character. And then when you see your white knight fall, it gives you once again from not as much as the first one, but it gives you that feeling of of hopeless, hopelessness and inevitability. Inevitability. So it's uh, it's really preying, uh, like you said, on those human emotions of. Those, those fears of the absolute going, crap, there's really nothing we can do to stop them. Well, we get a great fake out right before that as far as beating the T-1000 because he gets you know covered in liquid nitrogen and frozen. Then right. Arnie shoots him and he explodes. And you get a minute there where you're like, you know, he, again, he was completely liquid. Now he's frozen solid. He's exploded. Maybe we got him. You know, maybe we. <laughs> right. And then, no, we're in a steel mill, everything's hot, 
the stuff melts and reconf and reforms <laughs> itself together, and you just kind of slowly go, "Oh crap!" <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. this is if for a professional wrestling comparison, that's the rough rough equivalent of smacking Brock Lesnar in the back with a chair, thinking, "Yeah," and then he just kind of <laughs> yeah. slowly turns around, and your entire life flashes before your eyes. I think that actually happened with the Hardy Boys at one point. Oh, they hit him in the head. I think like Matt or Jeff just full on <laughs> baseball swing to the head, and he just took it. Yeah, and and almost smiled at them. So yeah, you've got the yeah. uh, the equivalent of Brock Lesnar, um, well, with swords as hands, which in its own right is more terrifying than anything I could think of. But, that uh, would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that nightmare in the future. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> ah, don't worry about it. I've seen worse. <laughs> not much, but... No, no, it, it, not much, but I've certainly seen worse. All right. The last thing I want to touch on as far as Judgment Day goes, there's a weird kind of... Uh, I should probably save that one for three, because he's not really a bad guy. He's just kind of an annoyance. Mm. Uh, okay, the last thing I want to touch on then... Uh, again, you, with the Terminator character from the first, again, unstoppable, he makes the ultimate sacrifice at the end of Terminator 2. After they've defeated you know, Robert Patrick's T-1000, they realize that you know, Arnie's character comes to the realization that he has to you know, be destroyed as well, completely and utterly, so that his none of the futuristic technology that exists within him is able to be you know, repurposed. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you mentioned you know, the White Knight is supposed to help take down the dragon well he does that here they finally beat it and then he still has to die and uh, i mean for as you know flat basically as arnie is in this movie and not nearly as much as the previous one because the character calls for it and he's a much better actor at this point in time but you know watching that and watching the terminator get lowered into the molten steel is still just a tad heartbreaking you know even though it's again emotionless killing machine basically it's come to represent a lot more, and it just—it's kind of like one final kick in the teeth, you know. You sure you beat the good job? You beat the evil robot made of liquid metal. Oh, by the way, your hero? Yeah, he's—he's uh, he's still not going to make it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's—you um, can almost say maybe the bad guy is um, in in a way with this, even though. Um, you know, you know that um, even though he's sacrificing himself to to make sure that Skynet, you know, and uh, it never happens, you know it's coming back, or at least, you know, you think you do. Or I don't know if you did when you saw this movie the first time. I'm like, that that can't be. But um, as he, you know, the thumbs up as he's being slowly lowered into the uh, into the the molten metal and, and being melted away, but. Um, it's it's almost like uh, you know you got to have some sort of sacrifice, but uh, um, the bad guy almost almost kind of still wins because the the good guy's got to die to to save humanity. Yeah, the notion of the olfiric victory uh, always yeah. comes back to bite you. <laughs> right, absolutely. And uh, moving on to Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about this off air. I have to mention, I have a lot of fun with Rise of the Machines. I'm not going to defend it as a good movie. Uh, don't ever <laughs> get me wrong on that one. It's I can't because it's not all that good, but it's very I, I have a lot of fun with it by and large. 
And I'm curious for you because, first of all, I think a big weakness of Rise of the Machines is the villain. Is uh, I think it's Christiana Loken who plays uh, the TX. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, from a design standpoint, the basic concept was we're going to combine the two previous Terminators. So this one has some shape-shifting abilities with liquid metal, but it's over a hardened skeleton, so we can't freeze it and blow it up like we did in the first one. And because we're into the 90s now, it should be a woman Terminator instead of a male Terminator. And it just <laughs> seemed... it's. For as much thought as went into aspects of that movie, you'd think they could have put more effort into crafting a villain who was actually memorable or in, you know, threatening, intimidating, because I, I don't know about you, but I don't find there to be anything intimidating or threatening or remotely scary about, again, the TX. It's just, it's there because plot says it should be there. It's not... right anything approaching what either of the previous two villains were. Not at all. And I think you said it best when you said it wasn't really memorable. It wasn't a memorable character. It wasn't a memorable villain. And and therefore, um, it fell flat. I mean, it was just, it was not a good call on, uh, on their part to, it just, it felt too strained. It felt too... Uh, they were reaching too much with this one. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't the choice of actress or anything like that, or the fact that they did make it a, a female Terminator. That's whatever. But it was it was too okay. We've had we've had um, the unstoppable endoskeleton or exos or endoskeleton uh, with flesh over it, and now this one has uh, it's all liquid metal, so it can change into everything. So let's just. What's scarier than those two things? Well, let's put them together and make the super Terminator. And it was just, for me, it was more laughable than it was anything. Uh, it, that character, again, the TX, is one of the most unintentionally hilarious characters in any of these franchises, apart mm-hmm. from, you know, Christian Bale, because Christian Bale. But. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I, I mean, there's just, again, there's nothing really to it. Uh, it seems like it was just kind of played for, you know, inside laughs. I mean, okay, there's a scene where she's dissatisfied with her breasts, so she grows them a little bit bigger. She steals, you know, the clothing design, and it's just, I just, I still, I remember watching that going, okay, that's moderately funny, but so what? You know, the the villain in Terminator is not supposed to be funny. Right. You know, the heroes can be funny. There can be moments of levity. And, you know, I thought it was fine with Arnie, you know, kind of re, uh, they repurposed the intro for Judgment Day in this instance instead of him going into, you know, a biker bar. He winds up in a strip joint at ladies' night. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. You know, that's funny. And that's okay. You can play things for laughs and have them still work. Your villain should not be funny it should not be right. you know anything approaching that and the fact that they kind of went that way just really cut the legs out from under the character before it ever could have gotten going exactly like like i said laughable um without meaning to be <laughs> or maybe they meant to be i don't know but um, either way it, 
yeah, it was not, it wasn't scary. It wasn't, um, it, she wasn't a bad guy. It was, it was more, like I said, strained and trying too hard to, to appeal to everyone, I guess. Um, whereas it should just be, um, she should just be terrifying and, and unstoppable and something new instead of mashing the other two back together. Yeah, and again, it's not that they decided to go with a female Terminator. That can be fine. You know, that there's a strong, there's a distinct lack of both female villains and female action hero, whether that's hero or not, action-oriented characters. And if you do it right, there's really no reason for that other than apparently people don't know how to write them correctly, which is on the writers. It could, I mean, it could have been fine. There's no reason that a female Terminator can't work. But if your whole gimmick is uh, it's an attractive woman, we'll have her do a couple of moderately erotic things throughout the course of this movie. And then, well, she's more advanced than Arnie. So clearly she can beat him up. No, it doesn't work. It seems uh, it's flat. It's borderline pandering and it doesn't connect with anything, much less the audience. Exactly. I mean, um, Oh gosh, what was that one movie where um, the main uh, villain was a it was species? It reminded me too much of that horrible movie. I, I'm not a fan of those movies, and um, it was you know you playing towards the sexuality of the, of the woman and not the terror uh, the fact that she's an unstoppable killing machine. That should have been played up more than um how she looks or or you know basically it that's i mean they were playing up the to her looks and not the not the what the character should have been and it's kind of sad because there's a few things she does early on she shows up and starts killing people immediately which is what the terminator is supposed to do i mean she blows somebody away in a drive-through knocks on the door to like a frat party finds their target shoots him in the head and uh, and that's again that's the type of stuff you're supposed to be doing with the terminator but the fact that none of the characters around her seem to respond all that well just because she's a woman you can play that to your advantage that can be an advantage from a storytelling standpoint mm-hmm. or it can be something that winds up just making everything seem exponentially less serious well, guess which, which way this one wound up going. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly where it went. And, you know, you couldn't take her serious. It was it was comical. Yeah, it, and it's really a shame because, again, there's – I don't mind them going a slightly lighter tone with Rise of the Machines. Mm. But, again, your villain still has to be intimidating. It still has to be scary. It still has to be a believable, credible – threat to our heroes because if it's not everything kind of falls apart and again i think that's in addition to you know the fact that they went more comedic with this doesn't bother me but the fact but again the terminator franchise is a very serious very dark (laughs) kind of almost fatalistic franchise by and large going more comedic and self-referential it's a bit jarring from a tonal standpoint but it can still work. The Again, I maintain the biggest problem is you don't have a credible villain in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. the discussions of Skynet and it's being a, you know, software in the cloud, even though the cloud wasn't a thing when this was made. But again, it's software, not hardware. 
their mm-hmm. desperate attempt to shut it down is more convinced. Again, you have a non-existent. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Again, you have the MacGuffin here. You have a thing not a character that is oddly more compelling than your character. And that's a pretty massive failure on the part of everyone involved in this. Right. Absolutely. And like you said, when the, uh, when Skynet is more, <laughs> uh, more interesting than what's supposed to be chasing and killing, then there's a big problem. And, and look, rise of the machines probably should have been the last entry into this franchise. Unfortunately, and I mean that deeply and sincerely, (laughs) several years later, I forget how many, closer to 10 than 5, if memory serves, Mm -hmm. we get Terminator Salvation. And I could do a whole podcast on the issues with this movie. You spend too much time with Sam Worthington, who was in the midst of his 18 months of look at me, I'm in everything, and then faded away into obscurity. Which everybody kind of goes through. It's okay. If you're really good, after that 18 months, you still have work. If not, you're Orlando Blue or Sam Worthington or... (laughs) Oh, there's one other guy who really kind of fits that mold, and I can't remember his name. But again, you get a guy who's just, you know, they kind of peak in popularity. And if there's nothing there, they fade away. If there's something there, they stick around. And Worthington kind of faded. So there is that. But you spend too much time with him. You've got what's his? You've got Christian Bale as John Connor, who doesn't do anything but scream for no apparent reason. Right. Uh, I mean, it's sad that th- this movie is supposed to be the war between the humans and the machines. Now, I don't know how you screw that up. I really don't. And yet, they did. Yeah, it was not good. Ah. I, I will place it for me. I place it a little higher than um, than Rise of the Machines um, because of well, I just I hated Rise of the Machines a lot, um, but uh, it, it it wasn't good. I mean, there there's no there's I wanted it to be good, therefore I think I liked it more than I should have <laughs> when I first saw it, just for the hope that it was good. But uh, the more I watch it and think about it, or I mean, I've watched it two or three times and and just wanting it to be good. And, and they screwed it up. Just like you said, how do you screw something like that up? But they did epically. Well, look, Mick G's kind of a buffoon. I mean, let's be perfectly <laughs> frank about that. And not to say that there aren't things that he's done that I've enjoyed, because there are. 
you just mm-hmm. have to he has to be making things that kind of fit within a very limited skill set that kind of works within his buffoonery right and that's okay i i've got a soft spot for the first charlie's angels movie i think it's fun it's not again i'm not going to defend it as all that good for the most part but i right. i think it's a fun kind of homage to the series and but again he tries to do anything serious it fails pretty miserably anything too comedic it just comes off as far too hokey and incoherent and again you just have to there's a very limited number of things she's going to be able to do very well and the terminator franchise is absolutely not one of them right no i completely agree with you god i honestly wish we'd had first of all a more competent director and second of all the original ending i thought that was a ballsy ending and mm-hmm. it was really sad that they didn't go that way. Absolutely. It, I, I still don't understand that call. Well, the script leaked like you know, several, just as it was going into production, somebody leaked the script and so they had to rewrite oh, yeah. it, which bothered me because again, we got a half-assed ending and we got, and we lost out on what could have been a very interesting, very good direction to take things up for those of you who don't know and i'm going to i i assume most of you do know but for those of you who don't i don't want this to go over your head to, for you guys to sit there go wait what are these two guys talking about what original ending the original scripted ending for terminator salvation actually sh- saw john connor die in that final assault on the ter- on the again the manufacturing plant to preserve what john connor represented they actually took his face and grafted it onto the machine character played by Sam Worthington so that John Connor could continue on. And I thought that was a, re- it was an interesting idea. If you execute it properly, that's borderline genius. Sadly, again, well, first of all, we had incompetent people and then it got leaked. So they went a different direction, so on and so forth. Uh, I, I think, again, I have to bring this up again, a major failing of this movie, in addition to ping-ponging your point of view around, is the lack of villain. You've got, you know, career character actor Michael Ironside, who I I like the guy, as kind of a hard ass, won't listen to anyone military leader. And he butts heads with John Connor because Connor knows the future, apparently more or less. And this guy is not, you know, you're nobody. You crawled out of the rubble of this, you know, government shelter i've been a soldier my entire life sit down shut up and take orders so you get some friction there but that's not he's not a villain he's a just at best a minor antagonist you don't have the closest thing you get to a legitimate villain is computerized helen bonham carter as the voice of skynet and that was just a horrible decision i mean that was just i I don't understand that at all it it makes no sense to me and then you get a little bit of you know kind of computerized mid-80s arnie back to fight things out and that was fun but it's that felt this one feels like mark radlich made this comparison whenever i talk about weak villains it felt like a video game boss you know you you're going through a video game and oh there's a minor boss here you have to you know get around michael ironside and uh, there's a few other guys around here. Oh, that Terminator is marginally more difficult to kill than the others. There's your second one. And here's the mastermind with Helen Bonham Carter on, you know, monitors. And final boss is Arnold Schwarzenegger's 
Terminator. And there's nothing right. to any of them, and it really hurts the overall movie. Right. That's a beautiful comparison. <laughs> yeah, I'm not above stealing stuff when it's called for. Uh, again, Mark and I, Mark's been on this show a couple of times, and whenever we get to a movie that that feels accurate, that's the one he brings up. And uh, again, I feel it's apt here. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. of the Disney movies we talked about, he mentions uh, like the Red Queen specifically from Alice in Wonderland, just felt like a final boss rather than a character. Yeah. So I'm curious for you, you know, again, you, I think we all wanted Terminator Salvation to be good. We really did. But I, I'm curious for you, just so we're not just kind of bashing this thing wholesale. Uh, just what, again, what would you have done to maybe kind of make this better? Oh, where do I start? I mean, <laughs> uh, just like you said, I'm, I'm not bashing it to be bashing it. There are so many way, ways this this could have been better, but um, it's it, to me, if you had taken the story with him has shown what, you know, the actual war between the the machines and the humans and make it almost a um, kind of a war movie, um, I think it would have been better. Um, If you you catch my my drift on that. Oh, I absolutely do. Uh, I think that was a major flaw that they did. There's no battle sequences for the – this is the war, and you don't have a single decent battle sequence. Exactly. I mean, there's there's nothing really happening in this war. Um, so, you, is it fair to even call it a, a war between the humans and the machines, and from this movie? Um, and I don't think it is a, a, a fair um, comparison, you know, to call it a war. Um, and it's that would have been my major thing: just an overhaul of the script, um, use some of that two hundred million that was in the budget to make uh, some epic battle scenes, you know, find as, as a fan, I'm a, I'm a Christian battle fan, but he did. I don't think he he did uh, John Connor any justice in this. I don't know who I would have picked thinking, you know, off the top of my head, but definitely. I don't think anyone could have saved it. I think it was poorly written and poorly directed. And the actor just happened to catch a lot of the back, the backlash because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can agree with that. So maybe even keeping him in there, but um, it was overall it was it was boring. Um, Which is the last thing your Terminator movie should be, right? There was there was no um, there was no sense of hopelessness. There was no sense of urgency. There was nothing that uh, the 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 first two Terminators brought to the table. Um, that in this uh, there was uh, there was no definite. Other it's not even Ellen. the fatalism that you get with three. I mean, for as much as Rise of the right. Machines has things that go wrong with it, the overarching notion of inevitability and kind of accepting what you're supposed to do comes through in that, whereas this is just kind of there. Yeah, it's it has no point, I guess. Uh, there would be there would have been a definite point to it. Um, what 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 were they going to do? Um, when they sent these machines, you know, back to the past to, to kill, save, da 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 da, you know, whatever is going on there, um, and your main bad guy, the, the the main boss, I guess you could say, is the the very first Terminator. Um, why not see a little more of him, or why not see a little more of of well, just any Terminator, any anything. 
just give me something to look at in this. Some kind of um, avatar for Skynet that we can affix our malice towards. Exactly. Other than uh, than Bonham Carter on a on a screen. I mean, that's not a villain. That's just more you know, I, than anything. Yes. You know, if I were to do this, I actually I wouldn't mind keeping Christian Bale as John Connor. I would have turned him into the villain. Actually, if you're going to oh. keep the if you're going to keep the primary ending of we're replacing Connor, he's going to die. I think maybe to kind of facilitate that, you turn him into a monstrously like tyrannical dick, right. and he's not incompetent, but you know just this uh, you know maniacal a little bit, little bit crazy, and then. To cap it all off, and you still can introduce the Sam Worthington humanoid robot, you know, robot with feelings, emotions, and whatnot, and he winds up taking over that role and just becomes exponentially better at it, more inspiring and whatnot than Connor ever could, than the original John Connor ever could have been. That, that's just okay. my idea. That's a fantastic right, uh, idea. We're down to two and a half minutes of live time. We've still got to talk about Terminator Genesis and do plugs. So to anyone out there listening live, uh, God bless you. Thank you very much for that. Come back in about 20 minutes if you want to hear the rest of the show. Uh, to everyone else, I try to do this whenever I do these things live, and we're going to go over so that people who are listening live tend to know. All right, we've got someone on the phone lines. I'll go ahead and take this call here. Area code 740. I should probably know that, but I don't off the top of my head. Uh, what's on your mind? We're talking the Terminator franchise here. Gentlemen, it's Jesse Starcher, and I only have one thing I wanted to add, <clears throat> and this was just to, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to, to discuss uh, Terminator um, Salvation last night. Uh, Robin Winfrey, I think you're aware of this. <laughs> 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 but uh, the only thing I wanted to add was I went to two, the, I think it was the weekend of or the weekend after that uh, Salvation released. And that was Terminator Salvation. And that same day, me and my buddy hit that movie, and then we hit Wolverine. And I walked out of the theater going, Wolverine blew Terminator out the water. I mean, mm. seriously. And when you think about as much flack as Wolverine gets, that, that movie gets nowadays, that's saying something. So that's, yes, that, I is. just kind of wanted to again add how, just kind of support how bad Terminator Salvation was. I've... Every time I've seen it, I've walked away thinking, I can't find a single redeeming quality to this movie. I can't think of a single positive <laughs> thing to say. Not a one. And that's nearly tough. a first. Yeah. But, uh, but that's all I had to add, gentlemen. I just want to pop in and explain, you know, explain my side of things and why I thought, hey, you know, it's just bad, folks. It's bad. Now, <laughs> I, I look forward to hearing what – I don't have any idea about Genesis – so I look forward to hearing about this. Uh, so I will, I will, I will graciously leave you boys to to it. A good show so far, and I'll be I'll be listening uh, prior to the overrun here. All right, Jesse, thanks for calling in. Later. Later. All right, uh, good guy, Jesse Starcher runs uh, source material Absolutely. every Monday here on the Rad Legend Broadcasting Network to get an early plug in. All right, let's move on to Genesis here. Uh, You've seen it. I've seen it. I reviewed it. I'm going to retread a lot of that ground here. But before I get into my spiel, because I've got things, I'm, I just want to get your kind of unadult. I just want to get your opinion of, again, Jay, they turned John Connor into a robot. 
for this, uh, and anyone who saw a preview for this movie knew that was coming, which horrible decision from a marketing standpoint. Absolutely horrible. Yeah, terrible. But they turn him in again. So he's a robot. This is, in a lot of ways, I feel like this is kind of a retread of the TX in terms of function. It's metal skeletal structure with not liquid metal, but phase metal over it that lets him kind of manipulate what he looks like, uh, things of that nature. So I'm curious for for you as a fan when you saw it, how did he? How did you know Jason Clark's John Connor as the T three thousand? Because everything's got to be a thousand, apparently. <laughs> Sarcasm aside, how did that play for you? I you know, I I tend to stay away from um, most uh, spoilers, and uh, hearing that there was going to be a major spoiler um, in the posters and everything. I stayed away from it, so it kind of came as a surprise to me when that happened. Um, God bless you, sir. I don't know how you did that. Um, I just I don't watch a whole lot of TV. <laughs> I watch a lot of movies. Oh, uh, yeah, so it it was it, it was a little surprising. Um, it, for me, it was a different spin on it. Um, it uh, to a point of you know, like you said, it was a little bit of a rehash. Um, from salvation, but I think it was done better. Um, it was, uh, it, it worked for me. It, it did. I don't know why I can't explain it. I think because, um, I was expecting nothing in this movie, uh, absolutely nothing. And, uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I got a little bit of something. And, uh, I think that's why it worked for me mostly, but, uh, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed his John Connor, um, I enjoyed uh, the human aspect of uh, of the Terminator, you know, the, the new Terminator, um, which made it, you know, it could potentially make it a little more terrifying because um, not only can it look like anybody in your life or anybody on the street, it can also convey human emotion um, and be and literally be anyone. Um, so that it. That's why it worked for me. Um, but uh, was it my favorite out of the franchise? Absolutely not. Um, but uh, it, I think I think mostly it worked because I didn't expect much out of it. <laughs> Managing your expectations is a, an important factor with some of these things. Yeah. I honestly, this is going to sound a little weird, but first of all. Disclosure, I'm not a fan of Jason Clark, by and large. He's not as flat as, you know, Jai Courtney or whatnot. He's not flat, flat, but he's not an exceptional actor by any stretch of the imagination. When I saw the version of the metallic version of this Terminator, the one that, you know, has no human, outward human appearance, I really kind of wanted to go, well, why don't we get more of that? Because that looks... It's not mm. as full-on skeletal as, you know, Arnie in the first one. It's still got some, you know, very good visuals to it. And I wanted more of that and less of, you know, Jason Clark. But part of that's just me, I guess. <laughs> I, had a, I had a hard time with Jason Clark's performance because the idea kind of being presented with him, and this is a gripe about the movie in general, that, this is never touched on more than once or expanded on at all. He's now kind of dealing with where does, you know, the melding of man and machine 
you know, where humanity mm. ends and where the machines begin. We get one look at that when they first come into 2017. They're in the hospital and everyone's walking around staring at their tablets or iPhones or what have you. And it's sad because it's never, again, it's not expanded on. It's not, it's barely mentioned. And it's sad because there's so much that could have been done with that. And my other big issue with uh, this ver- this version is he doesn't get scary until the very end. So much of what he's doing, and I, I really wish they had kind of thought this out better from conception to execution, because what he's supposed to be early on when you meet him is just supremely confident in his own indestructibility. They can mm. shoot him. They can drop him off of buildings. They can light him on fire. They can do whatever. It's not going to bother him in the least. So he's able to just kind of, you know, give promos through gunfire and explosions and whatnot because they can't hurt him. And he is more than aware of his own infallibility as far as that goes. And it never comes across as the kind of ah, got terrifying aloofness or superiority that it should have. You know, okay. Arnie was unstoppable monster, so he gets shot, he just doesn't care. The T-1000 responded to it, but none of it impacted him because he's made entirely of liquid, so he can just reform around anything. But they still responded to enough, when you put forward enough physical force, they responded, by the, again, by the laws of physics, Now you've got someone who just doesn't care about any of that. And the reality of that situation, that everything that worked before, you know, big explosions, compression, heat, cold in the extreme, none of that is going to work. That should be that that should be terrifying that, you know, we've faced the impossible in the past in this franchise, and we've always found a way to kind of get around it. Well, not so much this time. Everything that you've tried before doesn't work. And his, he never, he comes across a bit more kind of pleading than he does just completely uncaring about everything they're trying to do to him physically. And I think that's a flaw because if he is, if he is that unconcerned and disconnected with all of these things that are potentially fatal, then when he actually decides, okay, I've had enough of you people poking at me, you should absolutely vacate your bowels in terror. (laughs) And it doesn't play that way. It's just kind of, you know, again, he gets a little bit scary when he actually starts doing stuff at the very end, his fight with Arnie. But at that point, they've also established, okay, there's a way to beat him. He doesn't like magnetic fields. And, oh, what's the only thing that works in the... Time displacement, well, the quantum magnetic field. Huh, I wonder what right. that's going to lead to. <laughs> right, but it's, right. And, I mean, this is certainly a step up from both three and four in terms of villain presentation. I tend to just be a little bit saddened because I feel there's three or four things they could have done and tweaked that would have made him so much more intimidating and so much more memorable than he wound up being. I, I can see that. I, I really can. I, but I enjoyed his, um, like I said, it may have been to where I was expecting nothing and got a little bit of something, but um, I enjoyed him as uh, John Connor slash T-1000 because, um, because of the emotion, because of the fact that he is 
he's pleading with them to to join him because it can be so much better on the other side. Um, someone who uh, who was dead set against this, who was the leader of the resistance, is now um, part of what they were resisting against. And, and Mark um, mentioned this. He's seen so much of okay, machine. The machines always trigger Judgment Day and wipe out you know three to four billion people. But they can never win after that. The humans always win afterwards. So no matter what we do, there's always this inevitable ma- inevitable massive casualty trauma and whatnot to both sides. How about mm. we just join together? We can circumvent all of this and we can yeah. build a better future. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't have joined with him either because I kind of like I kind of like being human as opposed to being a machine manipulated by a master computer, but his point is not invalid. And the best villains are those who believe they're in the right. And this version of, you know, the John Connor T 3000, what have you, it firmly believes that what it's doing is the correct way to do things. And there's a lot to be said for that. And it's, there's a lot to be said for it being, um, you're one infallible hero, the one that you know is always going to be on the, the side of, of quote-unquote right, of who's going to be against the machines, and um, and all of a sudden he's their number one fan. He's the one holding the sign up for him, cheering him on. And uh, not only is he is he their fan, but he's willing to kill to make sure that uh, – that that his new uh, his new best friends are 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 going to be the ones come out on top, and um, so you've got that point, uh, you know. Of I, I, I really the, wish they the hero turned villain. I really wish they hadn't spoiled that in the previews because again, it was just the second preview I was watching for the movie. It's like oh good pre- term- preview for Terminator. Okay, I'm kind of looking forward to this. And wait a minute. That was the biggest right. plot twist you could have possibly thrown at the world, and you just gave it away for free. I no longer have any reason to see your movie other than to potentially watch stuff blow up, and I'm just not that interested in watching stuff blow up under this circumstances type of thing. Right, and going back and looking at uh, of how they did it with the movie poster and the and the and the trailers and everything, I, I'm blown away. Why in God's name would you do that? I mean, that's that's millions of you know, uh, hundreds of million dollars lost and and wasted, uh, giving away the ending, giving away the twist of your movie. Uh, that's like uh, you know the Sixth Sense coming out right out of the gate saying, you know, spoiler: Bruce Willis is dead. You know, yeah. you watch this little boy talk to a dead guy the entire time. You know, it, that's your twist. That's your that's your 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 gasp. That's your moment. hook that's for the like, second and third exactly. act. Exactly. That's that's a that's a holy crap moment that's completely and utterly wasted. And uh, and and I think, in my opinion, that's why it fell flat with a lot of people, and that's why I bombed because there's no, no reason. Help. There's literally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's literally no reason, like you said, for you, anybody to go see this movie now because they know the ending. They know what's going to happen. Uh, also in Terminator Genesis, during our final assault on Skynet, we get 
another kind of villain going with the projected avatar of the Skynet consciousness that rapidly evolves from small child to grown man. And I'm curious for you because, I mean, I can't get too angry at the character and the writing for being overly robotic because, again, it's a computer. Right. I just really, I really wish there had been more kind of menace coming out of that character because you're just a disembodied voice. You're kind of fighting for your life here. And mm. I really just wanted a li- just a little bit more out of that instead of just kind of the tried and true, you can't stop this. Uh, you're all going to join me in the end. I am, an ine- I am inevitable, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, I've heard every you know, generic mustache twirling villain speech ever. And you congratulations fall right in the middle of that pack. Um, I think, I think the biggest downfall for me was um, uh, as, as well as he did. Um, I just kept seeing the doctor when he was doing <laughs> his thing, you know, and uh, it, I don't think um, Matt Smith was as villainous as it needed to be to to play that that Skynet like you said there was no there was no urgency in his character in what he was doing uh, there was no uh, menace there was no um, I mean if you're going to create a Terminator that has emotions then you're going to show a little a bit a little bit of emotion yourself um, there was no anger there was no um, there was no passion behind it and it was just kind of like oh, you can't stop it and, you know. I'm a teenager now. Okay, now I'm the doctor. You you can't stop me. It's it's going to happen anyway. It's just it, for me. It was kind of like a sh- shut him up. Thank you for shooting the the things and making him go away. So um, I I've, I think that uh, in that aspect, I I think John Connor was a better villain. Oh, much, and that says something considering all the issues I have with that character. More the lost right. potential than the actual presentation, but right. either way, it's just, uh, I mean, come on, you could have, I almost wanted that to be, instead of so flat, a little more bombastic, I also wanted it to be threatening, you know, let's, let's put a little yeah. menace, let's put a little, you know, when he says, you know, I mean, he's going to launch nuclear, he's going to rain nuclear death over more than 50% of the human population. Can we get a little bit of, you know, maybe a little menace coming out of this instead of something that cool? Right. Yeah, it's just like, well, guess what? Here comes uh, nuclear death. I'm not uh, really worried about that. <laughs> I'm not. You're not you selling know, you're me not on selling this, me sir. Anything. Right. You know, I'm starting to think you're bluffing. You. Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. Now, I think that's it. Uh, don't think there's anyone else in that movie worth talking about as far as villains go those are kind of the primary ones uh i just kind of final thoughts this is a franchise that peaked very early with one or two depending on your perspective i think two is the better film i enjoy one more personally uh though again I, two is better mm-hmm. from a craft standpoint uh, and whatnot it's certainly a budget standpoint i've just got there's something about the slightly well-made lower budget again, slasher movie that is the first Terminator that very much appeals to me personally. But either way, the first two is kind of it. Everything else is downhill rather steeply. So uh, kind of final thoughts on, you know, the villains of this franchise, because again, killer robots, they're awesome. And (laughs) incidentally, if Matt Smith does not 
craft it at some kind of Dalek looking thing for the sequel to Genesis. If they make it, then I will be severely disappointed. Yes, absolutely. So again, just kind of final thoughts on again, the villains of the franchise overall, what it takes for them to be successful. And then we'll go ahead and do plugs and get out of here. Okay. Um, to be successful in this franchise. Oh goodness. I mean, you're going to have to go back to the first one for me. Um, and, and take a look at what Arnold did and, and how, um, how cold and calculating and horrifying he was as the Terminator. Um, or even, you know, he, he was a steamroller and then you've got the cold calculating, um, Dr. Scalpel that was, um, Robert Patrick. Um, there's, there's no humor in them. There's no, um, there's no emotion. There's no, uh, like I said, the emotion was, was scary to the point of he could be anybody that you want him to be in, in or that he wanted to be in Genesis. But um, I think the fact that they just don't care who gets in their way is, is, uh, is scarier to me um, in the first two. So I think uh, for me, it's going to be, you got to take a look at, um, everything that uh, that they put into it or, or didn't put into it, however you want to look at it, um, in the first Terminator, the first two Terminator movies, and, uh, and kind of draw from that to, to, um, to be a successful franchise. Yeah, I completely agree. You've got to have, again, the unstoppable monster. It has to be... I, I think the primary thing here is, first of all, it has to be scary. And to do that, again, the way you represent that on screen is partially with the body count. That was my yeah, other kind absolutely. of gripe with this version of John Connor is I think he kills all of four people. Right. And, I mean, look, we don't need – again, this does not have to be graphic. This is not – and I'm not – again, I don't want piles and piles of bodies. I don't think – and I talked a little bit about this when I reviewed it. I don't think that going for a PG-13 rating with Terminator is a bad thing. You just have to be aware of what you have to do to compensate for your inability to, you know, have a lot of violence and a lot of bodies. And I right. don't feel they adequately did that, but that's slightly different discussion. But that, again, unstoppable, and each one of them has to be a little bit different. You can't just do the same thing, mm-hmm. but you have to find what makes them scary within your story and part of what made John Connor so scary was not just his superiority, but his conviction. And again, fanatics are scary because you can't, you know, more than you can't reason with a machine, you can't reason with a fanatic. And that's, and I feel like they should have maybe played that aspect up a little bit more as well. But again, what might've been, but that's, that's kind of where the John Connor Terminator is more successful than the others because there's something to him. He firmly believes completely in his cause and you're either going to join him or you're going to die. And that is a, that's a scary place to start. It was certainly much better than, you know, anything that they did with three or four Uh, vast improvement Mm -hmm. from a villain standpoint there. And again, I really have to mention this again. You need a body count. doesn't have to be astronomical, yeah. but you have to represent to the people that these things are uncaring. And even if they're not uncaring, that they're willing to 
kill things. And John Connor in, in Salvation, and not, excuse me, not Salvation, in Genesis was working side by side with a lot of the, you know, the people at Cyberdyne Systems. And that just, you know, it didn't quite jive in the sense that, you know, could we get a couple of sequences of him, you know, killing people to establish that he's a villain in addition to his message? You know, let's have a few people kind of turn him down and have him react badly to it. Well, it's just like you said, he's he's a fanatic and he's he's got the, the idea of join him or die. But nobody's really dying, so <laughs> not a whole lot of people were joining him either, as far as I could tell. Right, exactly. I mean, they were they were kind of on board. They were um, they weren't going to really fight him on it, um, but you know there were questions raised. And if you believe wholeheartedly in in uh, the join me or die, if questions are raised, you're going to do something to get rid of those questions. Um, so they're not and you know usually it's going to be violent. Right, and there was no there was no violence in 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 that, and there was no um, there was no join me or die. There was just hey, why don't you uh, why don't you join me, and I won't. I don't know, get in a tickle fight with you or something. I, I don't know, but it was um, it, it, there was like you said, there was no urgency behind that that whole point. Uh, which is sad, but at least this was a step in the right direction, and. Uh, I really, you know, for as many issues as I have with this movie, and as much as it's probably going to bomb, it, there's several Asian markets it hasn't opened in yet, including China. And in contemporary filmmaking, how your film does in China is just about as important as how well it does in America. Right. It might be able to make its money back. It might be able to warrant a sequel. And if it does, I hope we can keep making strides that we've made in this one, because it's a decent enough first step for all the flaws I have and the issues I have with it, it's a good first step. If you're going to keep moving along that path, you can't move laterally. You have to keep going forward. Right. Absolutely. Uh, maybe we'll get back to the, the, uh, the hopelessness of the first Terminator and just absolutely, you know, have the, uh, the menacing emotionless killing machine that we had in the first one. I wouldn't hate it. You know, go back to what works and simplicity works. I mean, it said something that in a lot of ways, the T-1000 in the beginning of Genesis, played by the Korean actor, oh, Tai Bong-hyun? Mm-hmm. I can't remember all of his... I, I know a few diff. I'm aware of a few different Korean, both actors and fighters, and I, I'm, I'm relatively sure I'm going to confuse both syllables and names. Uh, but <laughs> I, I had a great time with him because he kind of channeled what Robert Patrick did, and he's a fine actor. Oh, yeah. I've got to say real briefly, if you don't mind reading subtitles while watching a movie, and personally I don't, he's in a really good uh, movie, a Korean film called I Saw the Devil and does a really great job in that. I was wondering where I saw him. Yeah, no, he's the secret. So, he's the, the agent from I Saw the Devil, uh, which yeah. I'm a big fan of that movie in particular. And it was nice to see him get to do a few things before he died. Uh, Again, he he very much kind of channels Robert Patrick, but he's suitably threatening for a first-act villain. Yes, absolutely. I don't know how I forgot about him, but uh, he did fantastic as uh, as the T-1000. So, and it was it was really kind of cool to see him in the the 1984 part of the movie. But then again, 
uh, time travel gets a little wonky for me. So it, it most certainly can. Uh, uh, again, time. Tra- I, I firmly believe there's two ways you go with time travel. That's simplistic in that you have device that lets you travel through time, and then you set up very specific rules for how everything interacts. Mm-hmm. A la Back to the Future. Very simple. Flux yeah. capacitor causes time travel. Don't screw up anything too much. Things take a while to take effect on you if you're messing with the timeline. But very simple. And just tell a good story within that. Or you go hyper-realistic, a la Primer, and give your viewer migraines. The good kind, but still, (laughs) migraines. Yeah. All right. That's going to go ahead and wrap us up. What do you got to plug? Well, as you said at the the top of the show, um, Adam Runyon and I, we both have a... uh, uh, podcast called Streaming Boy Productions where we do movie reviews and uh, uh, actor um, we go over certain actors and the best movies thereof and uh, we've been trying to tackle most of the summer movies that have been coming out and uh, just recently uh, we did uh, Inside Out and went over some uh, Pixar movies and that was with uh, Brian Pate and uh, before that, we actually did a Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks review with uh, Jesse Starcher and Jason Teasley, uh, Jason Teasley of the Cheap Seats, and uh, went over top uh, Mel Brooks movies, uh, you know, went over a little bit of his life and some interesting facts about him. And actually, at uh, one point, I gave my top uh, Mel Brooks movies and let them discuss and disagree or agree, and Jason Teasley got mad and quit the show. So that was kind of fun. Um, and, if Young and Frankenstein then, uh, is not number one, you have failed. I'll say that. Well, I will. Uh, spoiler alert: uh, you and I will get along very well then. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he did not agree with me. <laughs> so, but uh, and I mean, Spaceballs is great. Blazing Saddles is great. Robin Hood oh, Men in yeah. Tights is fine. There's a lot of really, the man has an extensive and very great filmography. I just, I think, I think a lot of his other stuff tends to kind of refer to itself a bit too much in a lot of ways. And, and young Frankenstein is perfect as a standalone. If you have to introduce someone to the comedy of Mel Brooks, I think you show them young Frankenstein. Um, I would agree with that young Frankenstein. um, And then two other movies that, a lot of people don't really back me up on would be high anxiety and silent movie. Um, silent movie, just for the sheer fact that there's only one spo- word spoken in the entire movie. And that's at the end. And it was spoken by Marcel Marceau, the silent movie actor. Uh, and it's just the word no. So I, I love that. Um, but we got, we had a lot of fun on that. I've done some um, episodes. We just got done with uh, the new secret wars. Number four, uh, on source material with Jesse Starcher, and we've done some, epi- you know, uh, other episodes of that. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So um, we have a website, uh, www.screamingboy.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ScreamingBoyPR. All right. Uh, as always, follow the Radlich and Broadcasting Network on Facebook uh, to get your most reliable and consistent updates. Uh Yesterday, Mark Radlitz, Sean Comer, and Jesse Starcher were on The Long Road to Ruin talking the first three Terminator movies. Mark refuses Mm -hmm. to acknowledge salvation. I will continue (laughs) to make fun of him for that. 
that's funny. I understand his point about not wanting to review it. It was meant to start its own trilogy, and had they gotten even a second movie out of it, I would have completely agreed with leaving those two off and being an independent story. They didn't. It's a standalone movie that falls within the context of the <laughs> franchise. You should be able to do four movies in an episode. It's a, that's You don't do more than four, but you should be able to fit four in. And if I had to watch, set, re-watch, I should stress, Hellraiser Revelations, uh, I think they should have been able to cover Salvation. Mm. But apart from that, uh, all right. This coming Monday, Jesse Starcher has source material. Tuesday, I'm not sure. I believe there's a there's a cheap seats that Jason Teasley hosts. I'm not sure about that. Wednesday will be Mark and myself reviewing DreamWorks uh, Animations Minions, which ought to be fun because yeah. you know Minions, they're awesome. I, I'm worried <laughs> about this movie. I haven't seen it yet. I'm worried about mm. you know the side characters and the gags get it being the focal point of an entire movie. I'm not sure how that's going to work, but right. I'm hopeful that I'll at least laugh through parts of it. So we'll see how that works out. But anyway, this Wednesday, Mark and I will review that. Thursday will probably be the Metal Hammer of Doom. If On Thursdays, if there's not a Long Road to Ruin, there is a Metal Hammer of Doom. That's Sean, or excuse me, that's Mark Radlich and Robert Cooper. And if you're a metalhead, it's a good show. So tune in to that. Yeah. I will be back next week to review, in honor of the movie Minions, the best evil sidekicks. I think that'll be a lot of fun, so tune in for that. Uh, Every Sunday, I host the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Normally, that's at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this week because there is the finale of The Ultimate Fighter Season 21 that no one cares about. That Sunday evening, (laughs) we have a special start time of noon Eastern. I will be reviewing UFC 189, which takes place tomorrow, uh, the 11th of July. I will be previewing the Ultimate Fighter Season 21 finale. I will be previewing UFC Fight Night 71 that Wednesday. And I will be previewing UFC Fight Night 72 from Scotland on that goes live on Saturday. So tune into that. I'm going to be talking myself horse. And I believe Andrew Graham said he'd show up and help me out as far as that goes. Because my normal uh, cohort in crime, Jeff Harris, is in the middle of San Diego Comic-Con. And I oh. I completely understand why he's you know, priorities, people. And that takes priority over the show. And if I were in his position, I'd be doing the same thing. All right. But that is going to wrap us up again. I'll be back next week, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's pretty much every time. Uh, I'm pretty consistent about that. Ronnie, thank you for being here. Uh, saves me talking hey. to myself for 90 minutes. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I had a lot of fun, man. All right. Uh, let me know anytime you have another idea if you want to come back on. I don't. I take requests. I don't mind. You know, I have a revolving door of co-hosts here, and I'm perfectly content with it being that way. All right. Absolutely. So for so for Ronnie Adams, I'm Robert Winfrey, reminding you all that you can't stop the Terminator. It is an unstoppable killing machine. You need a giant press, pool of lava, something along those lines. But if your Terminator is goofy or non-existent or doesn't kill anyone, it's not that scary, and your heroes are therefore less heroic. Uh, As we always say here, be well, be safe, and behave, and I'll see you all next week. Thanks for being here. So say goodnight to the bad guys.